0: continue our series of messages titled Adventures with Abraham. And uh this is one of those messages where I had way too much material. And uh I knew I was in trouble, so I'm not gonna preach on what I was uh what the the bulletin title says, why is there war in the Mid East? Uh that'll be another message for another day, but I want to uh Tackle some verses that I can actually handle this morning. I can't do twenty-one. Uh, I wanted you to hear from Heather and I wanted you to hear from Mary today. But uh if you want to turn to Genesis chapter twenty-one, I want to get just a little bit of a running start. I I don't know if you have really been catching this, but the the past few weeks, we've been going through some real dark sections in the book of Genesis. Uh, In Genesis chapter 19, we have the story of God's judgment upon the twin cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and where He destroyed those two cities in Genesis chapter 19. And then as you get to the end of Genesis chapter 19, there's another dark segment, very unfortunate situation where Lot's two daughters get him drunk with wine and then they go in and they sleep with their father and as a result of sleeping with their father, they both uh, become pregnant and give birth to sons. One son would go on to be the head of the Moabites, the other one would go on to be the head of the Ammonites and you have that strange story there. Of, of Lot and his daughters. And then as you head into chapter 20, you have another dark segment of, of Genesis where Abraham is once again lying to King Abimelech and telling him that uh, Sarah is his sister when in actuality Sarah is his wife and he lies to the king and he is found out. And it seems like we have... Dark segment after dark segment after dark segment. But this morning, when you get to uh, Genesis chapter 21, you have an occasion for celebration. And we haven't seen one of those in a long time. An occasion for celebration in Genesis chapter 21. But you know, life is filled with dark segments of life. I mean, it just is. And we all go through them. Um, you know, I remember not too long ago talking to someone on the phone and they said they said this, and I thought it was just kind of sad. It seems like all I ever do anymore is attend the funerals of my friends. And I can't tell you the last time I have received good news. That's sad, isn't it? A dark segment of life. 2012 was by far the toughest year of my life. Probably tougher than the other years put together, to be perfectly honest with you. Started with breaking my arm. And uh, after two metal plates and 12 pins, it's as good as new. In fact, they tell me it's better than new. I'm going to probably test it out. I, I, want, I want to do one of those zip lines. I got a vacation coming up in September and I'm just kind of I'm eyeing that because I know where we're going. There's a zip line and I want to do it really bad. But it started out with that and then we, we did something that's kind of in the back of your mind, but you really don't think about it a whole lot. We had to put my dad in a nursing home and as a kid you don't really think about putting your parents in nursing homes a whole lot they always seem so strong and we, we put dad in a nursing home and about the time that we put dad in then we, had, we put my mom in Parkview Behavioral she was having some mental illness issues and still is and so dad was in the nursing home mom was in Parkview Behavioral At the same time, the young man that's almost like a son to us, Tyler, he was put in Crossroads Children's Home, a disciplinary home for children. And I'll never forget, this was all going on at the same time. And I'll never forget there was a Saturday where Nancy and I, we just, we made that round. And all three of those uh, facilities are located really close together. They're basically on about the same block. I'll never forget it was a Saturday and Nancy and I decided that we were going to make our rounds and visit my parents and visit Tyler and do it all the same day. And I I remember how it really came home to hit me. Every facility where we went to, we had to have a code to get in. We had to push the buttons on that security system to get into Heritage Park to see my dad. And then we had to have a code that we gave them at the desk at Parkview Behavioral to be able to get in to see my mom. And then we had to have another code to get into Crossroads Children's Home to see Tyler. And I'll never forget, as we were done making our rounds that day, and we were driving home, and I looked at Nancy and I said, this is messed up. This is messed up. And it was such a dark segment. And I remember going home. And I remember telling the Lord. Lord. I'm supposed to minister to people tomorrow. I'm supposed to have a message to where I I can preach to people tomorrow. And give them hope and, and minister to them. But I want you to know, Lord, I'd rather go fishing. I'm just being honest with you. Tomorrow, Lord, I'd rather be fishing. And it was a dark segment in my life. And Nancy and I, we were talking about it, and it, it was just it was difficult for both of us. And I and then I remember. On top of all that going on at the same time, the man who mentored me as a kid growing up, a a man who saw something in a junior high boy and kind of mentored me for the ministry, was removed from his church because of moral failure. Just a little later from that happening, one of my best friends I've ever had in my life, a man who I worked with for 13 months, painted with him, Greg Luganbill went to be with the Lord at the same age I was. And I'm going through all this stuff and it's like, Lord, I don't get this. It's a dark segment in my life. How do I deal with this? And I said, I've preached messages on hope. I've I've preached messages on faith. All these messages I've preached, but now, Lord, somehow, You've got to give me something that can minister to me. And I started thinking about some verses in Scripture such as Ecclesiastes chapter 3 where it says, there is a time to weep, but there's a time for laughter. I started thinking about Psalms where it says that weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And I began to say to the Lord, Lord, I don't know what you're doing to me. I don't know what lessons you're wanting to teach me through all of this. But I'm not going to ask you to take me out of this. I'm going to ask you to take me through. Take me through. As I was thinking about that dark segment in my life, I want you to know... That the clouds did dispel. The sun did shine again. And it wasn't going to be like that forever. And somebody needs to hear that message this morning because you're in the midst of that dark segment in your life and you're wondering if you're ever going to get out of that. You will. You will. You might be asking the question will I ever smile again? Where the, Will there ever be an occasion of celebration for me again? Is this my lot in life? But I can tell you something. There's some lessons that I learned through all of that that I could only learn in the darkness. And there were some lessons that Abraham had to learn as he went through a dark segment in his life. And he learned basically three major lessons. And I believe these are the same three major lessons that by faith we have to learn today. And I want to share those with you this morning. Genesis chapter 21 verse 1 says, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. The first lesson that Abraham had to learn, he had to learn that God keeps his word. He had to learn that God keeps his word. Now, why do I say that? Because when that child of promise, Isaac, was first prophesied and he was first told back in Genesis chapter 12 that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the grains of sand on the seashore. And even it went on later and said, uh, your, your descendants would be as numerous as the dust. As he was told all of that, and five different times he was told that he would have a son. Five different times in the book of Genesis. As he was told all of that, we need to understand He was 75 years old when he was first told that, and now he's 100. Sarah and Abraham have waited 25 years for this child. 25 years. That's why I call it an occasion for celebration. Can you imagine the joy that came when Isaac was finally born? He learned that God keeps... His word. Look at verse one where it says, as he had said, as he had said at the end of verse one, what he had promised at the end of verse two, at the very time God had promised him, Abraham learned the lesson that God keeps his word and that what God promises, God performs. You learn that lesson through this dark segment and all this that's been going on. Verse 2 said, Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. Isn't that interesting? I like that. In his old age. Well, what about her? In fact, if you look at the end of verse 7, Sarah says, yet I have borne him a son in his old age. A hundred? I think all of us would agree that's old age. A hundred. But Sarah's ninety. I wouldn't exactly call that youthful. The next thing that Abraham learned was not only that God keeps His word, he learned that God's timing is always perfect. Now, why did God make them wait 25 years to have this baby? 25 years? When Abraham's 100 and Sarah's 90? I want you to understand the timing on this. I think it's really interesting. I'm going to take you on a little walk. Go back to Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17, verse 21. Genesis 17, 21, it says at the end of that verse, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year, you see that he understood a lesson about God's timing is always perfect by this time next year, go to chapter 18, verse 10, chapter 18, verse 10, I will surely return to you about this time next year. Chapter 18, verse 14, 18, 14, I will return to you at the appointed time next year. Chapter 21, verse 2, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham learned that God's timing is always perfect. If you want to turn to Romans chapter 4, I want to show you something this morning. Romans chapter 4, beginning at verse 18. Romans chapter 4, verse 18, the Apostle Paul says, "...against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations." Just as it had been said to him. So shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Since he was about a hundred years old. And that Sarah's womb was also dead. Abraham faced two unavoidable facts. First, his body was dead as far as producing a child. Second, Sarah's womb was dead also. Her womb had been a tomb because there had never been any life there. Never. And what would be the chance now at the age of 90... That there would be life. And yet, as you keep reading this, it's very interesting. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. God wanted Abraham... Why did he make them wait 25 years? because he wanted Abraham and Sarah to be as good as dead physically, so that when that child Isaac was born, neither one of those two could take credit for it. He had to wait 25 years for that. There's no way physically Abraham and Sarah could have produced Isaac. That's exactly the point. You know, I like that expression that's in there where it says in verse 19, He faced the fact. He is believing by faith, but He is facing the facts. In every crisis... Eventually, you have to face the facts head on. Now, you can try denial. You can try to make it seem as if it's not reality. But the truth of the matter is, the facts will find you in a crisis. They will find you. If it's cancer, you have to face that fact. If it's a divorce, you have to face that fact. If it's the loss of a job, you have to face that fact. Faith doesn't avoid the facts. But faith faces them and then reacts to the facts by the word of God. That's what faith does. It faces the facts and it reacts by faith to those facts on the basis of God's Word. And faith believes that beyond the crisis, a better day is waiting to be born. And this won't last forever. Faith believes that. The third thing that Abraham learned, he learned that God can accomplish the impossible. He learned that God can accomplish the impossible. Verse 20 says, Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what He had promised. Abraham learned that God can accomplish the impossible. This is the story... Of the oldest mother in history. And this is the story of the oldest dad in the nursery. That's what it is. I was reading a commentary this past week. That I thought was really interesting. Wilbur Williams in his commentary on Genesis. Writes something that kind of says it in a little different way. He says this. A full century separated the ages of the Father and the Son. You ever thought about it that way? A full century separated the ages of the Father and the Son. That's an interesting way to put it. But Abraham believed, and he learned that God can accomplish the impossible. Look at verse 7. Verse 7 of chapter 21 of Genesis says, And she added, this is Sarah, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. How many of you believe that's accomplishing the impossible for a 90-year-old woman to nurse a baby? Nursing at 90? Are you kidding me? But how about if I tell you something even stranger happened here that's usually not a part of the story. It usually ends here, but it's a pretty important part when we talk about Abraham understood that God, he learned that God can accomplish the impossible. A few years later, Sarah would die. Abraham would marry a woman named Keturah. This is in Genesis chapter 25 verses 1 and 2. He would marry a woman named Keturah and years later after this, when he was a hundred, Abraham would have six more sons. I don't know why we stop with Isaac when we teach this story. Is that not Amazing. He went on after Isaac and had six more sons. Abraham learned God keeps his word. Abraham learned God's timing is always perfect. Abraham learned that God can accomplish the impossible. And maybe there's someone here this morning. You're going through a dark segment in your life and you need a miracle. You flat out need a miracle. Do you believe those same three things that Abraham learned? Those lessons? Do you believe those things? Are you willing to believe God when the outward circumstances argue against it? Will you continue to exercise faith in the face of impossible circumstances? Are you willing to wait 25 years? Some of you don't have 25 years. Let's be honest. Are you, waiting, are, are you willing to wait a long time for god's answer to prayer maybe you have a wayward son and daughter and you've been praying for years and you've been tempted to just well it hasn't happened by now i'm just going to give up the thing that abraham did that was so powerful back in romans chapter four was not that abraham never doubted because i believe he did not that abraham never tried to help god out because we know he did he wanted his servant eliezer to be his his heir he wanted Ishmael to be the son to stand before the Lord. We know all this stuff's going on to where Abraham and Sarah tried to help God out. But in the midst of all of that, they persevered through their doubts, through their helping God out, and they, they trusted God to keep His word. Are you willing to wait? for God's timing in your life? Are you willing to wait for God's ways and God's will to be accomplished in God's timing? Or do we react like the world? I want it all and I want it all now. Lord, give me patience and give it to me right now. Twenty-five years. But oh, what an occasion of celebration it was when Isaac was born. I guarantee you, if you asked Abraham and if you asked Sarah, was it worth the wait? I guarantee you they would have said yes. It was worth it. We're going to ask the worship team to come forward at this time and to lead us in our closing uh, song.